Adrian Black, Cameron Argler. <laughs> My second ink is Cameron's hat. But I'll, I'll digress. We love that for you. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to an episode of We Love That For You. You might notice my co-host is missing, but there's actually a really good reason for that. Today, we have my good friend and fellow Somali on the podcast, so I decided to keep you to myself, if that's okay. You're Idman. Yes. Literally, you're like a Beyonce. You just have one name in the industry now. So you are Canadian. Yes. Somali. Yes. Well, Somali-Canadian. Yes. Living in the U.S. We'll, we'll figure out what your legal status is there. <laughs> okay. Um, you are a singer-songwriter. You mm-hmm. have some really, really cool music. Thank you. And I think one of the biggest questions is like how... Oh, and you're non-binary. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest point of this, right? Period. Which I'm going to get really into it because I love that for the non-binary world. Yeah. I just don't fully get it. Okay. But I love that for them. Okay. You know, like, and I'm here for it. Okay. I just don't get it. So that's why you're going to educate me today. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but really good. You have like some cool music, Down For You, Good Life, What Am I Doing To You, Hate. And you just came out on one of the music videos. Yeah. Recently. Super recent this year, yeah. Earlier this year. What was going through your mind? What made you go, like, make that decision to come out through a music video? I mean, I'm always about like, capitalizing off your pain and not just giving it away for free but (laughs) you know what was going through your mind how does your Somali I mean you know we're both Somali so like Mm -hmm. how did your family take it well I think just to answer the first part of your question um I think I knew for a while that at some point I would come out I've, I've always and I've often been super vocal about how critical I am of out culture which is like a a thing in and of itself that made I mean, just feel like I wanted to do it in a really intentional way. Like, I really don't like how we talk to young people, especially like young black and brown queer people about coming mm. out. I think that positing someone's like self-love or like how, how authentic they are based on how willing they are to tell people that might be inflictors of harm towards them. Um, I, I think telling people that how willing you are to share really personal information with people that might not have your best interest at heart is not a great way to talk to young people. And so I think that thinking about um, doing it for myself and, and and actually coming out, for me, more felt like something I wanted to um, just like be honest about the fact that I felt safe enough to do it. I felt like I had the community around me. I didn't feel like all my access to resources would be abridged if I did this thing. And um, it also just felt like a way for me to kind of, it was our last single of the project. I knew when we made the project, there was a song called Beach. And the first line I think is like what solidified a lot of our conversations around coming out. Cause there's like the, I use the pronoun. Um, I use, I say, I know you're somebody's girlfriend. And initially the line was, I know you're somebody something. So wait, let's go, Okay. Pause for a second. Okay. So with your identity, mm-hmm. you are non-binary yep. identifying. Mm-hmm. And then yet you date women. Yeah, well, I identify as a non-binary lesbian, and I and I identify okay. as a non-binary lesbian in like the historical context, which means that I date any and everyone that identifies like as a non-man, as a non-cis het man. And so for me, um, yeah, women, uh, trans women, uh, trans men. I think I tend to date everyone that isn't a cis het man. Not that I haven't. You know what I mean? I think younger days for sure I was dipping and dabbling zipping it and zooming it you know what I mean (laughs) okay 
But for now, yeah, I only date non-men. That's so interesting. Okay, lots of questions to come. But okay. let me hit you with some stats. I okay. need some validity to this. Um, so the State Department recently in the U.S., I mean, you're from Canada. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're doing it. But the U.S. State Department now allows the gender for X. So instead of man, woman, they have X. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2021, William Institute reported showing that nearly 900,000 Americans under the age of 30 identify with this non-binary trend. Would you consider it a trend or is mm-hmm. it not going anywhere? I don't think being non-binary is a trend. I think that when you can trace back uh, non-binary or, or, or uh, gender identities that aren't just the binary man or woman back to like Mesopotamia and back to like 400 BC, I think trans people have always been here. I think our ability to see them uh, has been subject to like the the influence of white supremacy, colonialism, but it's patriarchy. Trans non-binary. Yeah, yeah. Tr- I, oh. To be, I, I think that to be transgender is like a somewhat of an envelope term, uh, an umbrella term for yeah. a lot of folks. In that, um, yeah, to to be anything other than the gender you are assigned at birth is to be transgender, and um, to be non-binary is a form of being transgender. And I think that you can absolve yourself of the gender binary and also be valid in the fact that you're like not identifying how you were assigned at birth. You're just kind of on the fringes and people just don't get it or what is it? I think that you're on the spectrum. And I think that when you think about um, gender as being this this just like thing that's performed so differently, culture to culture, country to country, we know, especially as first generation immigrant kids, like um, I thought it was super easy to talk to my family about gender, yeah. more so than it was to talk to them about sexuality. Like I was out as non-binary for like years before I was out as to queer. your family. Yeah, because my family. Yeah, because I think that it's really I think there's like a connotation um, around the idea that Western folks are more open to to gender expression, gender fluidity, and um, sexual fluidity. And I don't think that's true. Like the first ever trans woman I ever met was Somali. Her name was Amino. She lived in, <laughs> you know what I mean? She lived in Isli in, in, in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, the first uh, queer woman was a Somali woman named Zara Gurhan that was my mom's cousin and really good friend, really close confidant. And um, yeah, I, I just think that when you, you, it's easier to look at folks who are not from Western cultures and say like, it was easy for me to tell my dad, when you're home, Baba, like you can wear whatever tightness pants you want to wear. You can kiss your friends on the face. You hold hands down the street. Like yeah. the way in which you even show platonic male intimacy is so different and it reflects none to other people yeah. around how masculine you are how feminine you are you go to some like latin american countries and you think about the concept of machismo and like it's it's like a it's like it's like men in speedos and you go to europe and like the men have their chest like three little chest hairs out in speedos and that's seen as very very masculine and so for me it's really easy to understand and explain to my family like there's in america you know what i mean masculinity looks so much different than what we were raised about thinking masculinity was or and like there are things that you would people could look at you here and say like old old uh, uh, verbiage like oh no homo or whatever but if you wore the same fit back home you know it's super problematic and if you go back home people dress that way and no it it reflects none on how people think about their i just to me it's really easy to show people who aren't from here that gender looks so different even in comparison to where they come from and the evidence is there it's like un and you can't argue against the fact that it's like we've seen femininity look like three different things and four different things just from moving around within the diaspora so it's always felt really easy to talk about the fact that, yeah, Pops, like sometimes I want to dress in a more masculine way. And some days I want to dress really femme and have my, my boobs out. You know and what I mean? most cultures outside of Judeo-Christian value systems have yeah, had 
mm-hmm. third third gender sort of forever. Is forever. India has it forever. The Mohijarats or something. The Hijras, yeah. The Hijras, yeah. Uh, uh, Native Americans had it. Mm-hmm. Two spirit so folks. All of yeah. a sudden, we're confined into this like reality. Yeah, I think that we're getting a boom in technology. You know what I mean? We're going from analog to digital world, and so I think we're experiencing connectivity in in new ways and in ways that there have been no blueprints for. So I think a lot of people who maybe have been told their whole lives that this isn't real are are finding out that not only is it real, it's within your heritage, it's within your lineage. And so I think those nine hundred thousand people aren't indicative of a trend, but they're indicative of people who've just been able to have access to their own histories and access to their their the autonomy and the ability to say this is who I am and this is who I've always should have been allowed to be you know now that we've established that you are non-binary oh did you oh my god wait I want some too I'm not yeah mine's passion fruit hibiscus what's oh you have passion I have yeah strawberry rose which I specifically asked Ooh. for from Vibes. From Vibes. What, what, are the, what is this called? ASMR. <laughs> Super Somali that I picked passion fruit. Why? We love our Zaytuni. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now that we've established that you are, in fact, non-binary mm-hmm. and identify as a lesbian, do you also identify as this female? Mm-mm. Okay, well... Yeah. That's a question I'm going to get back. We could even make it more complex. Like, I don't Please identify don't. as a... Please don't. <laughs> a, I don't identify as a woman, per se, okay. but I definitely identify as a black woman. And those two things feel very separate. Math different. is not mathing, sis. Okay, for you. Hold on. For you. For you. It's, it's historical. It's like stuff that... This is... Our definitions of what we think about gender and what we think about race, they intersect in, and historically intersected in such specific ways. Like, even this episode being called... Uh, we're, we're talking about soft studs today, no? We are getting there. I mean, that you're dressed like one. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I also am going to say, like, to preface that, I think soft studs were the pioneers mm-hmm. to this, the non-binary sort of conversation being had. Okay. So I think they literally, I remember, like, middle school seeing, what are they, they used to call them tomboys. Mm-hmm. And they kind of looked gender fluid. Mm-hmm. And to now actually have a verbiage for that, I mean, I'm like, and all those, like, non-binary girls or the, the tomboys, they're kind of lesbians now. Mm-hmm. Just looking back at it, most of them are <laughs> lesbians now. Okay. But substance is definitely a question. I think one of the things that I really want to explore with you. Yeah. And, you know, we do relate on a lot, even mm-hmm. though we were, you're raised in Canada, I'm raised in San Diego. Yeah. Um, growing up Somali is a unique experience where Very. we're all kind of raised so similar to one another even though we're part of this diaspora that kind of like spread us all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. You can meet a Somali that's born in Sweden and raised in Sweden, and they still were raised so similar to, to like you in Toronto. So with that being said, I just know how my family mm-hmm. would react mm-hmm. if I were to walk in and be like, hey, I'm non-binary. First of all, my siblings would roast me, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. My mom wouldn't even know, I mean, she barely speaks English, like let alone like, giving her the language yeah. of like what non-binary is. Mm-hmm. Do they still like call you she or how does that work at home? So I use both she and they pronouns interchangeably. Ah. And I think about um, gender being the first conversation I had with my family about things. And I think that just in knowing me, they've always viewed me through a very like non-binary lens. And the cool thing is my, the, my brother, who's like the closest in age to me is like, he has great politics and great ethos. Like, yeah, he's in law school and he just is, he's a feminist and thinks really 
intersectionally and as a part of like a lot of online conversations happening currently just around things around gender and like women's rights and um Whoa. he's like he's one of the folks that has been like a total for me. He? he's i think 23 24 is he single <laughs> he just is out of, i mean not for me yeah he is maybe he's, but. He's, he's single and he's like just he's like a really artsy boy and a creative and like a twitch streamer what side of the fence is he on sis just oh he's here. straight he's straight Oh yeah, he's that's straight. What's up? Whatever you know, one yeah. of the listeners. An ally. He's, he's an, an ally. ally. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he is single. I mean, he doesn't have a girlfriend. No, he doesn't. I think he's he dates for sure, but no, no one's serious enough that he's like introduced he's to about me to lately. Be a he's not cuffed, girl. One he's of, just somebody so. Better come get him. He acts like he's been a part of uh, the the Canadian Black Film Festival, and like I think he's just. Real, and he's a big brother. Like he's kind of the only person I'm here, and so he's like the pseudo eldest sibling right now, and so I think. He just has a lot of responsibilities, and he's a Capricorn. I think we would all love for him to find a little so boo. All of you guys are kind of, you're the eldest, so therefore mm -hmm. they all trickle downwards from there. Mm -hmm. They, how does that work where you're sort of in this realm of creating music and this, yeah. and you're so creative, and then Somali immigrant parents in general, mm -hmm. you know, they don't see that as a career option. Like, yeah. that's not real. And do they think that? you being in such a creative space is also kind of like pushing you or like helping, like making you sort of see that you're, you're, it's affecting your style and overall mm. and whatnot. I think about stories and the stories we tell ourselves and we tell other people. Like, I think I feel a responsibility to just like really speak to the silver lining and things. Like, I think we've heard the stories and the tropes of my Muslim parents and let me do X, Y, Z. I'm like, I genuinely want to, I want every, some, every Somali, every Muslim kid who like, yeah. fixes their mouth to really talk about their parents in crazy ways in public just even like me as a queer trans person i'm just never gonna <laughs> i'm never gonna go in on um my parents unprovoked and like use them as like a punchline or whatever Period. and i and i think that i feel really really lucky that i was terrified to tell my parents that i wanted to to do music but when I told my dad, like my dad is my number one fan. Like he, I've had like a few billboards in the city. He'll go post it up. He's posting on Facebook. Like when he goes abroad, he's telling any and everybody about all the WhatsApp warriors about my music. Like he, he was just someone who like shocked me. You know what I mean? And how, and how receptive he was to me wanting to do music post like the just like initial tension of it all and the initial just like fear and the initial what does this mean or whatever i'd gotten into a really cool arts program in toronto um right after getting kicked out of school i got a charge in portland maine and so i think it was like a one-two punch when i told my dad i'm sorry hey, go back to that one part you got a, what, a case yeah i caught i caught a case in portland maine for uh, what <laughs> Uh, organizing. I, I used to do organizing work, so it was like a part of. I was a part of a direct action um, at the time, and you know, caught some charges and was kicked out of school. And basically, was about to tell my dad, "Yeah, got arrested. No longer going to school, and now I'm going to go into this like music program." It was wild. You know what I mean? And what I think that for a Somali dad, it's a. It's just like any immigrant. <laughs> it's hard to think about what that what that conversation would be like, but he took it like a champ. And like, was it rocky for sure? And also post, like, I'm just so happy that I did it because I think that the father I got to experience after, I would have never experienced if I stayed within the just like confines of what I was telling myself about how he would feel about it. A lot of that stuff was temporary. And yeah. like, I, I just think that also our parents fled a war, you know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. moved to different countries 
on their own, not knowing the language of these countries, their own kids becoming foreign to them. Like, they really seen some stuff. And I think I was so scared to tell my dad that I wanted to move to L.A., but by the time I moved here and he saw, like, yo, she's roughing it, she's really... I think it gave him a newfound respect. You know what I mean? Because I think that a lot of us Somali kids aren't real with the fact that our... A lot of our parents don't think we can move through half the stuff that they've moved through because we haven't, you know? We haven't. And so I just feel really honored that music has given me, like, the opportunity to kind of just, like, you know, relate to my dad differently. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's worth sharing, you know? That's amazing. I mean, you're, what about your mom? Like, you say your dad's your biggest supporter. What yeah, my mom passed when I was super young. Like, she passed when I was, like, 11. Um, and But she was also, like, such an impactful person for me. Like, my mom was a wedding planner and had, like, a, a boutique in Toronto, helped start one of the first ever African women-owned malls in the city that's still running to this day. Check out El Gab. Um, Shout out. We'll, we'll tag it with her Instagram. <laughs> Um, oh. And yeah, I think she was just someone who my whole life told me to, to be of purpose and to be of service. Like we'd always have women in our house and people who were fleeing like DV situations or a bad husband or like we'd have musicians because she was planning a wedding and got her friends from um, this uh, Somali band to come stay with us or whatever. And so I just, oh, I think she's, she just moved in, in the way that an organized room would move from a very, like, yeah. from, from a really young age, I think I just got the perfect role model around, like, shit, if you dedicate your life to being of service in a way that feels impactful and meaningful, like, you know what I mean? Like, even being queer, like, before I was out, I just knew that it was wrong to be horrible to people because my mom taught me that, like, you know what I mean? You're supposed to show up for folks who are treated the worst amongst folks, you know? I mean, it sounds like you got your organizing from your mom. 1,000. <laughs> but speaking of which, you did bring up your organizing efforts and how you caught a case. Yeah. <laughs> which brings us to your legal status in America. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. So, okay, first of all, you caught a case here. You got, you said you were back in Canada, right? Yeah. We caught a case, did a counter case, won that case. So none of the charges, I wasn't convicted oh, of any of the charges. Um, but it meant that I lost my student visa, which meant that I had to leave because I had to re-enter to be able to like go to court and stuff. Um, and what's yeah. your legal status, legal status in America at this very moment? Oh, I'm here on an O1B visa, so I'm here on an outstanding artist visa, which is like a visa that's given to people who come to the U.S. Um, and to work in the arts or the creative industries and who have shown um, like uh, an outstanding ability. Heavy quote quote unquote. Oh, so you're that you're that girl. No, you're that. <laughs> I have that girl lawyers. Honestly, shout out to um, my lawyer Danny Paleva, who's also queer and trans, who mm. is awesome and was one of the people that helped me get papers and get proper documentation. Shout out to queer and trans family showing the fuck up. You know. We're gonna pivot for a second, okay. right? We brought it up momentarily. So of, I mean, it's really vibes. Come on now, don't play with it. Uh, <laughs> But, okay, we, brought, we briefly brought it up, right, about soft studs. I mean, I told you about my childhood when I was in middle school with the tomboys. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you define a soft stud for us? I think, okay, so I, I'm, like, always, like, I'm weary when I define stuff for people because I just know that whatever I say right now, take it not, not with a grain of salt, but with a puff of smoke. Just know that these definitions... I have to ask my girl. I can't, no, I can't be doing but just, that. But just know that these definitions are malleable and different for everybody. And if anyone comes up to you and self-identifies this way and has a different definition, listen, you know? Um, when I think of soft stud, I just think about um, a traditional stud who may maybe shows... Who maybe has... A, uh, uses uh, either their, their clothing or just has 
uh, femininity also a part of their expression? Maybe not as much as masculinity might be, but like that it's there. Like there's still like touches of. Is there any like petty grievances that you have for soft studs? Um, I think we there's like the the stud grievances that I have which just overall. Like I think that sometimes I worry about how much toxic masculinity and like the bad parts of masculinity. Ooh. Um, get like you know what I mean performed and exercised even in this community yeah I think I think toxic ma- we are all we all have internalized obias and isms within us you know what I'm saying and so I think that uh, it's really hard to live in the world that we live in today and not have our definitions of masculinity be like skewed you know what I mean in ways that sometimes might be harmful and I don't think every study is like this but I do think that there there is room for criticism around how much how much we allow like masculine gender pre- uh, performance to, to be conflated with just like toxic forms. You've gone through some real stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When you were coming to the U.S., blah, blah, blah. How the heck did you get here and like the stuff that you went through and then to go on this journey of being non-binary lesbian is that mm-hmm. what, the, what you said you were yeah like you know you own your rights to your music you're in the industry that's very supporting of you mm-hmm. how like do you think that shaped you into like fully understanding and creating this music video of you being you know you yeah. with that girl I think LA is such a huge part of like my queer coming of age story I'd been out to my friends and to the folks I was in community with before I moved out to LA, but I think that I really viewed LA as an opportunity to kind of just like be and exist freely. Like yeah. there's not a huge population of Somali folks here. I didn't know anyone when I was moving down here. And so I felt like in a way within which like I couldn't, I couldn't feel an anonymity in Portland. You know what I mean? I couldn't feel anonymity in Toronto. In Portland? Portland, Maine is where I went to undergrad. Oh, yeah. right, right. I thought you said Portland, Oregon. Yeah, no, no. Portland, Maine. And I'd, there's no way I could have moved with any anonymity in queer spaces in Toronto. And so I think I thought as of LA as being like, just like an opportunity to just be, to be able to go on dates and not like look over my shoulders or like, I just wanted to figure stuff out. Cause I don't think I even, I don't think I had come to terms fully with how I identified. And I think I needed the space in LA. LA definitely provided that space. Our comforting st- yeah we found queer community here first before we found any other type of community and so isn't everybody kind of queer in LA I mean, I, mean I, like I, I wish it was queerer to be honest you know what I really? mean yeah I wish it's pretty it, bad out here girl no I think when you go to cities like Seattle and you go to places like San Francisco you're just like oh LA could be gayer you know what I mean and gay in the all of us sense like it's very white gay in LA I would say like I don't think that Mm. there's enough black and brown queer spaces at all no and like did you consider moving to New York I just think New York is too harsh for me period that's what I'm literally what I said I'm a softy you're from Toronto though so it's like similar energy but when you've been to Toronto I think that you can see like I'm not trying to don't come for me if you're from New York I love New York City I love folks from the east coast like what are you about to say though (laughs) I'm just about to say that Toronto has all of the great qualities that New York has with like a none like a, a lot of the bad qualities the missing. Rats. And and you mm. know what I mean? We're, we just I also think that there's just like a I think that the elements show up in a different way in Toronto and people are allowed to show up in a different way. And once you've experienced Toronto, I don't think you really need to move to to New York. It just feels like Toronto on hard mode. So I think <laughs> LA was the move for me for sure. My 
personal body clock is even better in LA. Like I, I have two sleep disorders, and they're like obsolete when I'm in the city. So it's the weather. It's yeah. the I swear it's the sun. I think so too. Do you think this like? We're I from equatorial countries. We shouldn't be in the cold. I mean, I, I'm from San Diego, babe. So I mean, it's I'm better. <laughs> My than family guys. shouldn't have been in the cold. They should have went to San Diego. I mean, I'm just saying. No, it's, it's I, I feel so bad when I think about how they like literally took the influx of Somali Somalis and sent them to Minnesota and Portland and Toronto. I'm just like. Miami wasn't on the list. That's so, but I, I understand that Girl, it's also a part of I'm like the saying. packages that they were offering for new people. Who Miami would have been it. Yeah, I, I, I did like I, I when I went to Dade County for the first time. I was like, this. My grandma would have thrived there. She's out battling arthritis and osteoporosis in the Girl, Ohio cold. Swimming it as you walk. You know streets. what I'm saying? Like you don't feel anything. Uh, <laughs> so something that I think a lot of people want to know. I mean. Okay. Like you said, we're both third generation, like third culture kids, right? We're yeah. balancing our identities as Somali and American. You're Canadian, Muslim. There's just so many facets within our identity. And it's just like, how do you, do you think it's a choice by adding the labeling of like, oh, I'm non-binary or I'm this, like, instead of just like being like, oh, I'm just a lesbian and just having one less label. No, just because like I say this shit out loud for everybody just like me from like within my lineage or within my history mm. that ha wasn't able to. You know what I'm saying? Does it like, make your life harder or easier? Um, I think it's subjective. You know what I mean? And I think For that, you? Yeah. What I think that do? I would Oh my god, I'm so happy to be black. You know what I mean? I'm so happy to be gay. Like it would be a horror, shock horror if I woke up not one of those two things. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I think that it's, it's, I feel like being queer and like just knowing that I'm queer and being able to even say that to myself mentally, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, has allowed me to be able to live this life through a lens that feels wow. like it's in technicolor as opposed to everybody else. You know what I mean? So like the hardships are real and the beauty of it is what I'm fighting for. You know what I mean? I'm fighting for the ability for that beauty to, to be able to exist spaciously and freely, but, um, the hardships are the same hardships that everyone who looked like me went through before me. And I think it's, I like in the words of Asada Shakur, it, it is my duty to fight. It is our duty to fight. You know what I'm saying? And it's our duty to to to, to, to love one, one another. And what yeah. does she say? We have nothing to lose but our chains. And so- I have to look that up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, no, it's the Asada chant. And we would yeah. say that at actions. Um, it is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Yeah, it's a duty and a responsibility wow. in this lifetime, you know what I mean, to fight for me because like in the ways in which I feel safe too and that I can, you know, and I know yeah. that there's so many people that can't. And so for me, I'm just yelling for everybody that can't. And I'm telling everybody that can't, if it's if it's going to make your life any harder, if it's going to abridge any access you have to resources, don't say it, I'll say it for but us. But don't you kind of think because you're in a position of power mm -hmm. where you're able to monetize off of your struggle, mm -hmm. not to say you're doing it because of it, but you're able to monetize off your struggle, right? You're able to come out in a music video with your lesbian it's identity. It's different though. And you can make money simultaneously while doing it mm -hmm. because why not, right? But what about the people that, you know, that can't? I think about, well, I, when we think about the concept of monetizing your pain. Anybody who's engaging in uh. anybody who's engaging within R and B heartbreak music, or who's a singer songwriter who's writing their own songs, is because of the name of the because of the nature of the job, 
they are monetizing their pain. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Beyonce. Me speaking Lemonade. about being queer and being yeah. a lesbian is not me monetizing those facets of me. Like those facets of me are just context. You know what I mean? This is who I'm in the same way that when you watch a music video, you're not thinking, oh my God, this is this person is monetizing their straight love or their straight <laughs> heartbreak. You know what well, I'm no, saying? That's the norm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about my heartbreak and I'm doing it in the same way the other the other person is doing it. And last I checked, it wasn't beneficial <laughs> as far as resources go to be queer and to be trans. Last I checked we get paid the least out of everybody. Really? I think that, we are at the bottom of the totem pole, like in uh, in every in every that. sense of the word, and I think that there's now space for queer programming, and we're now seeing like more resources come up for queer people. But those resources didn't come up because people were like, "I'm giving you a gold star to, for being queer and trans." Those resources started coming up because people were saying, "You're not giving a fair enough chance because you're queer and trans." Let me like. Let me try to level the playing field that will take years and so much restructuring of structures to level. You know what I mean? Like we would have to change the entire world as we see it for people to be equal and to be level. And so the idea that people think that because there are like these resources popping up or these organizations popping up that are focusing on helping queer and trans people or getting queer and trans stories out there, they're not doing this to give people a leg up for being queer and trans. They're trying to give them a boost to maybe help them see like the like. Even like the, the like the slight, you know what I mean, fruits <laughs> of what it might feel like to be. Even but a also, equal. I just feel like there's such a big misconception because everyone's like, "Oh no, Hollywood music, all of this is like ran by gays." So of course they're gonna it's elevate not. the gays. It's not. Yeah, you know what I mean? What what people want to say and aren't saying is that a lot of our art forms and a lot of the art forms that have been popularized, their roots and their histories are derivative of queer culture. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And they have taken from queer culture. That's not to say that they've the appropriated queer, it. Yeah, and it's not to say that they have properly compensated the originators of these histories and of these culture of these cultures of this vernacular. So I think that. Queer people have always been around. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like I was saying before, they, they, our, our impact has always been around. Our being honored for that impact has not always... always been around? Always, oh, always, okay. always. Okay. And gender fluid people have always been around. You know what I mean? And gender fluidity, something doesn't become a thing because we've found new language yeah. for it. You know what I mean? Oftentimes, sure. finding language for something is reactive. You know what I mean? It comes after the fact. We've existed. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. we've always existed. Being gender fluid. As long as you've been a person in this body and you've been told what this body is supposed to do, as long as you've had any analysis in your brain around sure. what that, what, what, how you fit into that gender thing, it feels just as, just as like, just as much as we could validate that the existence is real of, of people yep. and that, that people have different bodies and that people can feel different ways about their bodies. Gender identities being on the spectrum is real. Absolutely. We made but wait, man go, and go woman. back to this whole concept of like how you like queers actually make the least because within fashion, I mean, the biggest fashion houses are gay men, right? The creative directors are, but who are the All. board members of LVMH? Point them out. Wealthy white cis people, het people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to the idea that we could posit queer and trans people, even the fashion industry as being the holders of power and money, is factually incorrect. There's no evidence to back that. We are the tastemakers. We are the designers. But so often, you think about people like Andre Leon Talley. You know what I mean? Yeah. A fixture in fashion. He didn't even, he, did he ever come out? Andre Leon Talley? Everybody knew Andre Leon Talley. But did was, he ever officially? As, as far as I know, I've never known him I've to never, not be out. I've never known him to be in the closet. I've never saw any article or anything. I've Googled it multiple times. In his documentaries, they didn't refer to him as a queer young man, a queer young black man coming up in did New York they? alongside the likes of the Andy Warhols of the time. The, the reason why I brought him up is to say that 
here is this fixture in fashion who is very visibly, at least it, at least in the ways in which you could even uh, discern from your eyes, who somebody who who does not participate in a traditional gender binary a binary expression of masculinity. You know what sure, I mean? Yeah. He wore clothes that were effeminate or whatever. And to think that towards the end of his life, someone like Dion von Furstenberg had to pay off some of his debts after he passed away. That like someone who was so impactful to Vogue, to Anna Wintour, we we can't even honor him. And you know what? I mean? He wasn't honored in this life and had to be like honored in death by people showing up to do mutual aid for him. You know what I'm saying? Someone who was, wow. you know what I'm saying? Who, while he was alive, was like replaced by the likes of like young. He was that famous, but in that much debt. Yeah. And this queer man. Yeah. And I think that we're just now starting to see queer and trans folks take up space. And I think that it doesn't feel by accident that people are starting to have. But why is there so much pushback on this like non-binary conversation? I think what? it's a distraction. You know what I mean? And I, what? I think it I think it distracts people from having genuine conversations around like our resources and really going at the people who really are harming us. You know what I mean? Like it's like um, I think that it's like a, it's often a tool used by oppressors to like make folks have to fight about like things like semantics or vernacular when like our ability to eat is on the line. Our housing is on the line. You know what I'm saying? Like because if we just if we sorted those things out first and we were like Bottom line, everybody deserves to be housed. Everybody deserves food. We, when we cross all those, like, and check off all those Check's boxes time, or whatever, yeah. all the other stuff doesn't matter to people. You know what I mean? Like, all the other stuff is because the only thing, the only reason why we want to talk about this stuff is because we don't think that that stuff should be affected by this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, gotcha. how I identify should not, it should not play a part in whether or not I'm allowed to have housing or a job or food. So it really does. It does. It does. It so does. But for someone like you, where you present as feminine, yeah, do you think it affects you that like that to that extent? Being trans in music is it has affected. Well, you're non-binary, not trans. I am trans. I'm tra to be non-binary is also to be transgender okay. because to be transgender means that you identify um, differently than the gender you were assigned at birth. Like Gosh, I don't, so I don't identify as a female or a woman. I identify as a non-binary person. You know what I mean? But you can present, you present like as a woman. So therefore wouldn't like, no, I, 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 I don't think that there's a way to specifically present as a woman. I present femme sometimes, you know what femme, I mean? Right and I think that's part of my non-binary gender expression is that sometimes I do want to dress femme and sometimes I don't want to dress femme. And that you have that right. And like, that's why what, is that that's, a big deal? but that's what means that I'm not binary. It means that I, yeah. I, I exist somewhere on the spectrum. But I mean, I saw, I don't want to call them out, but I saw this one person that I think they were non-binary. Mm -hmm. It was in a, like they were in a dress, mm -hmm. five o'clock shadow, mm -hmm. biggest Adam's apple I've ever seen in my life, nine feet tall, you know, out here killing it in the streets. And I'm just like, okay, so I mean, I'm I'm absolutely here for this, but I can see the pushback people would have because they're haters, and people also like will make fun of it, right? People will make fun of anything, though. You Literally. know what I mean? And I just I I don't I I like want to be so clear when I say that the people who are giving people pushbacks for, for wearing a dress. I give no fucks about I your mean, opinions as a person. It. Like I don't care about that person, and I don't care what they think. I, I think that they can think whatever they want to think. I don't, I'm not here to try to change their minds. I just think that they shouldn't have a say in whether or not that person should eat. Oh, period. I mean, I just said maybe like shave your legs. That's all I was saying to that person. But I think that they I, I think that to be able to exist in this world who that has done such a good job of convincing people that 
it is a terrifying, scary thing to be who you are. And and also enforces that with actual laws and legislature and oh, policy yeah. to make you feel afraid. I think anybody being in their body and saying, I'm not going to do what you think I should do regardless. Like I will take on whatever threat it means to my resources or my life to be able to not gaslight myself out of how I want to show up. Yep. I think that that person is not only remarkable, like our freedom is tied together. So I commend them and salute them for showing up so freely because they have made it possible and easier for everybody else around them to show up freely because they've taken that first shot for everyone. And I don't think we get it. Like I don't think people put enough respect on um, trans people and, and queer and trans people that, that, that have varying gender expressions. Like all throughout history, we've had whole civilizations who have like referred to these people like third gender people or agender people or non-binary people throughout history as priests and deities. Like they've deified them. You know oh, what I right, mean? Yeah. Because Native like, Americans did. yeah, because I think that yeah. think about the type of mental liberation it takes to decide that who you are is valid in the face of everything around you indicating that you shouldn't, you know what I mean? Especially you're going against you know so what I'm, much. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, I'm just like, you're wearing a dress and you have a five o'clock shadow and you didn't shave your legs. Like, thank you. For, Don't forget that Adam's apple says. Thank you uh, okay. for thank you for showing up as your full self. Thank you for doing that for me, for everybody else who wants to show up as their full self, and thank you for doing it for yourself. You know what I mean? For modeling what it looks like to posit self love and self worthiness yeah. over the opinions of other people. You rock, and everybody else who cares is a loser. That takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of strength. Yeah, you know what I mean. I would have just changed the wig. Honestly, that's mm -mm. just my thoughts. But, but I think we that. Love that but I them. think that. There, it doesn't. I don't believe that you seeing that person doesn't affect you, and that no. if 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 and when you decide to just think about yourself and your own gender expression, like yeah. it will be that much more easier for you because you saw that person. Because guess what? Do you don't want to? You don't. You didn't talk to that person. You probably don't remember their name. You don't hate that person. You don't no. want that person to not eat. Odds are, most people won't feel the same way about you if you do. You know what I mean? It's structures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why? But like. That's sad because why would you not want, why would you want to actually like deprive this person of their humanity just because they're outside of the norm? It's, it's not only sad, it's literally loser behavior. Like I, I feel like we got to start calling people losers again. Like let's start calling, let's start calling bigots losers. You're literally a loser dog. What's the takeaway? What do you want people to understand for those that are maybe going through this, for those that don't really get it, mm -hmm. for those that are just like um why do i like i'm an ally but like why do i get like scolded for like misgendering someone like what do you say to these people like what do you want them to take away from this i, I mean i got scolded one time you remember i was there with you i feel like i've scolded you too yeah but i got no but no it wasn't you you were there you actually supported me that time because i was like girl like i'm here for it i just remember i it was like this time that we were at a house party and if, if somebody was scolding you and I supported you, I don't know. I remember that. I remember scolding you. I don't remember supporting you. What did I say? You actually supported me. What did I say? And it was a friend in Minnesota that was there. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm here for it. Love it. Love it for you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and something came about with this person, which the person and I are cool now, by the way, FYI. Um, but you were like, no, 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 Adrian doesn't. Like, it's not like Adrian's like asking these questions to be like mean or something. I was just like, it's I, from I, an educational oh, no, I remember, perspective. I remember what you're talking about. I think that 
I think that people can always kind of tell if your curiosity is rooted in like good intention. And I, and I also believe in like principled struggle, you know what I mean? In a way within which like I would not feel like I wanted to give like a white gay the time, or, the time or energy of education. I feel like a responsibility and duty to sit down with you and like help you get the things together. You know what I mean? Just because I'm like, there's been that much more of an emphasis on you not knowing the thing. So it doesn't seem shocking when someone like you doesn't, doesn't, get it or doesn't know, I'm like, okay, that's white supremacy and colonialism doing its job. Like, they did their number. You know yeah. what I mean? And so for me... I was asking the right questions, I think. And I just I just think that the erasure of gender stuff and the erasure of queerness is happening to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was done to you. Like, your white supremacy and colonialism did a number on your country of origin and your parents being whatever, feeling whatever, you feeling whatever, is not indicative of your heart to me. It's indicative of, like an assault that was done on your lineage and your ability to be yourself. And I think it's like a, I think it's such a, it's a, it's a tragedy of this lifetime that black and brown queer people and queer and trans people don't get the opportunity to live fully because of white supremacy and colonialism. You're not, you didn't, you didn't cause those things to happen to your country. You didn't cause those things, those things to happen to you. So your own even internalized homophobia or your internalized just not knowing of things is not your fault. You know what I mean? And so for me, in, a, in the ways within which I'm like, you don't benefit the same way that white queer people do uh, from colonialism and white supremacy. So for me, I'm allowed to be like, I'm not teaching you shit, dog. Google is a free thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but to me, I'm like, you're my sibling. You're my community. You're my kinfolk. Yeah. I have to sit with you and be like, no, 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 babes. You got to get this because if you don't, this thing has been killing our folks and killing folks that look like you. It's not good for you to not know this. Like, it's actual self-preservation for you to, to understand these yeah. concepts. You know what I and mean? And you got me together. Good. And I think that I think that curiosity is is never a bad thing. I think that sometimes I think that people are allowed to decide who they want to educate and when they want to do that type of work. I think that I made an individual choice. There's another queer, trans, black and brown person that might have seen you that day and been like, no, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I think that it's it's because of the ways in which our identities intersect. And I also just want to say that um because you were saying like where do we like um where do we what's the takeaway i think the takeaway is that like black and brown queer and trans people and non-binary people have always been around you know what i mean people have always benefited from from being around us or from taking from us and i think that um it is it is in everybody's best interest Mm -hmm. for us to all get free you know what I mean? Like when you think about the quote, a threat to freedom everywhere is a threat to freedom everywhere. That stuff is so real. Like when you think about world events and everything that's yeah. happening in the world, like all of our freedom is so tied together. You know what I mean? Because oppressors, when they're oppressing people, are not only oppressing people, they're watching what other people are doing around them. You know what I mean? Literally. And sometimes your own apathy and complicitness can be justification for an oppressor to oppress you. You know what I'm saying? Literally. And I and I, I just think that for everything you don't understand about queerness and what it means to be um, gender nonconforming in the U.S. or in the world at large, it is in your best duty to protect, serve, and fight for queer and trans people because they are, they've also been on the front lines historically of every movement. You know what I mean? Of every major mass Literally. movement that we've had around workers' unions, about queer rights, about just like even the things that don't affect queer and trans people. Like when you think about the freedom fighters um, in the South, a lot of those folks were queer and trans. Like you think about Martin Luther King's um, speechwriter being queer. You know what I'm saying? Our freedom has been so fought for and so stewarded by queer and trans people that even if you don't get it, fight for them, defend them, do your own education while, while you're fighting and while you're doing the thing, even if you have to get it later, but just know that every single time someone attacks or pokes at queer and trans people, 
your freedom is on the line. So fight like you understand that and that you get that that's an actual fact. And the educate because when you get educated, when you figure the things out, you don't want it to be too late. You know what I mean? Because our freedom is tied together. So for me, I would just say I'm not I'm not telling you to help us, support us, just because we are human beings who are worthy and deserving of being fought for and having our our resources and rights. But also like they come for us, they're coming for you next, baby boo. You know what I'm saying? So. And, and, and also, we're the ones out here on the front lines fighting for everything that affects everybody all the time. Disability rights, all the rights. You know what I'm saying? And so Human rights. Everything. And so I'm just like, act like you know it. Act like you know collective liberation means liberation for all. For all. And if, as long as queer and trans folks are not free, you're not free either, babes. Yeah. Beautifully said. So normally, this wraps us up and... What I'm realizing is I was just so giddy to see you today. <laughs> so I didn't ask you, what's your ick of the day? My ick of the day. Yeah. My ick of the day is road rage. <gasps> your yeah. road rage or someone else? Other people's road rage. Yeah. Like when I, I, I don't have road rage because I genuinely don't think that honking at someone because they delayed like a 0.5 of a second at a light is going to get anyone at anywhere. Like, oh my God, I'm going to arrive at this place at 1030 and and instead of 1029. And I, I just think that also like part of why I don't have road rage is because I don't know what anyone has going on in their car. So out of respect, I'm not going to say anything. So when someone has road rage against me, I'm like, oh, I feel so tried because I'm like, you don't know what I'm capable of doing. You would think you saw me and you assessed. You thought I could do this to this person. So now you're calling me a punk and I don't appreciate it. Oh. I don't like it. It just, day, it just feels very disrespectful. It feels I, I just think like, oh, my God, you've made an assessment. You you think that it's safe enough to do this to me. That's crazy. Well, that's because karmically you wouldn't expect it to happen to you because it, you don't do it to others. <laughs> yeah, I just don't but get it. But you know what they say, g- bad things happen to good people. No. <laughs> um, I think my ick of the day is hustle culture. Oh, okay. I'm fed up with hustle culture, this grinding at 4 a.m. to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Sis, I'm not waking up. Mm-mm. Like, I'm not waking up. Rise I want a soft and life. and grind. Yeah, no, I don't, like, if it's not, I usually normally, like, wake up at, like, what, 7, 7.30? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, it's not for me. I want a soft life. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Pilates at 9. Okay. You know, like, I don't want to work like that. Like, okay. I like working, but I don't need to grind at 4 in the morning mm-hmm. till 9 at night. Mm-hmm. For what? What war am I preparing for? Honestly. Period. It was never that deep. That part. So, hustle culture. Um, and road rage. Road rage is real though, because I get scared of honking. In LA, everybody is acai bowls and like yoga. Mm -hmm. Until they get in their car, they turn into Vin Diesel. It's like, zoom, zoom to death, you know? Girl, we'll get into that next time for another episode of (laughs) What's the Ick of the Day. Um, we're going to get into your music career really quick. We're going to play a fun versus game. Okay. So you are considered for a nomination of a Grammy, which is Phenomenal. I can't wait to hear it. I feel like you will be. And we're going to jump right into it. Who would you rather open up for, Taylor Swift or Beyonce? Beyonce. Who would you rather collab with, Cardi B or Nicki Minaj? Both. Okay, yeah, that's a good answer. You can't do both. You can't do both. Oh, you can't do both. You have to choose. This oh, nor. It's a this or that. Okay. So we'll keep it. We may use it or not, but just for the purpose of... No, no, no. no. Let's, make, let's force her to choose. <laughs> no, I can't. Can, I, so can we, we can go to the next one? Well, okay. Wait, wait. What if I just say 
I'll just be like, I'll I take abstain. both. I love the Barty Gang and the Barbs. Okay, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Um, okay. You're trying to be killed. Like that's Girl. like a that's like a calling in the little insults. That's a lot though. Yeah. Uh, what music festival would you rather perform at? Made in America versus Coachella. Made in America. Okay. I mean, I see why. This is my favorite one. It took us a second to come up with it. Fuck Mary Kill. Canadian version. Okay. It's a Canadian part way to it. Okay. Drake, Weekend, Bieber. Fuck Mary Kill. And she is a lesbian. So uh, can That's I say That's why I did it with men? <laughs> can I say uh friend Mary Kill? No. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. It's, it's a hyperbole. I mean, girl, it's not literal. Uh, Mary Justin Bieber. Okay. Okay. F. The Drake. White man. Okay. Um, and I just don't know any weekend, weekend songs. You're gonna kill the East African. I don't know his music. I don't know his music. So wait. Okay. Very well. Justin, Mary, fuck Drake. Everyone's trying to smash Drake. Oh and my God. Kill the weekend. Dang. I don't know. I feel like. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I said it. That was really good. Okay. I don't so know any of the weekend songs. Um, and I'm a believer. Okay. Like an unofficial believer for sure. You don't think? You're I not th- an unofficial I believer? S- I mean, I am too. But R&B were go crazy. On that note, I'm going to end with the last and final request. Okay. Can I see how many messages are in your DM other folder? Yeah. Let me see. I don't think I it'll have a number. Okay, we'll see. I mean, if it's a lot, it's a lot. Okay. Here's your phone. This is so bad. You just can't say oh any of what you're God. seeing. Oh, of course not. Of course okay. not. Oh, she got the new phones. Don't play with it. Okay. Here. Okay, go to your thing. Of course. Oh, my God. Let's see. Oh, my God. Okay, You so just got to, you, you, you wait, scroll upwards. Oh my God, there's a lot. You can keep scrolling. You even, there's more in the hidden. Yeah, no, but you can, you, you don't have oh to go to Oh my there. God. It's, it's yeah. Wait, and then there's more. There's so many, there's so many more. Yeah, no, no, I went all the way. I scrolled for a while. Oh, this is not, it's not the bottom. Holy crap. Okay, yeah, and <laughs> that ends it. <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, there's more. I think more. it should be. But, um. Oh, my God. Yeah. But they're nice messages. They're, I don't get, like, hate stuff, which is cool. Go. That's a lot. I don't even know how many that is. So, some of your music, mm-hmm. the titles are amazing. I want to know eventually what you, why you chose those titles. So, Down For It, mm-hmm. Good Life, yeah. Look At What I'm Doing To You, Hate. Mm-hmm. And then what's the lesbian one? Still. Still. That's the new one. Oh, I love line. that. You said, what's the lesbian one? Still. Still. Period. Okay. Uh, that concludes We Love That For You today. Thank you so much for Edmund for joining. And we will see you guys at the next episode.